my wife and I, Laura and I, we started a, a new tradition. This is free. If you want to steal this, feel free to take this. Um, the new tradition for Valentine's Day. We were, we were at Target the other day, and uh, so we went to the card section, and we each uh, went and picked out a very, uh, very loving and sentimental card for each other, and then we connected back up. We exchanged those cards, and then we put them back. It was uh, free. Yeah, saved us like 15 bucks right there, and so that's free if you want to if you want to take that. Um, it was awesome. Um, well, it's, uh, yeah, I think there's like three approaches. Valentine's Day is one of those weekends, right? It's one of those holidays. I think there's three approaches to it. And the truth is that nobody wins in Valentine's Day, right? There's so much pressure. Nobody wins except for Hallmark. They're about the only ones that maybe walk away a winner with it. But Valentine's Day is tough. And you may say, well, Donnie, what about those that are in love, right? Those of us that are in love, we win. No. No, not always. Um, not usually. Like, we want it to be amazing, right? For a guy, we want it to be amazing. Most of us actually need it to be amazing because we're usually so far in the hole that we're trying to, we hope that Valentine's Day will kind of catch us back up to, to zero. But here's the problem. There's four options when it comes to Valentine's Day, and you've got to do at least three of them, right? There's flowers, there's chocolates, there's dinner, and there's jewelry. There's four. You got to do at least three. Unless you go big enough with the jewelry, then you might be able to get away with two, right? But you at least got to do a bunch of those things. And so you do. You get the flowers, you get the chocolates, you go out to dinner, you present them to, the, to her, and she loves them, right? She, this is absolutely amazing. She, she loves it, and it's good. She takes pictures. She posts them on Facebook and Instagram. It is out there for the world to see. And for about 13 minutes, you're the man, right? It's all good. Until she sees Megan's post, and her bae got her a truckload of flowers and way better chocolate and took her to a nicer place than Denny's that you took her to, right? And all of a sudden, you, you fail, right? It doesn't matter. You, you totally fail in that spot. Then there's those of us that, that when Valentine's Day rolls around, we're not in love, right? And for those of us that are not in love, we are anti everything at Valentine's Day, right? We're anti-pink, anti-flowers, anti-chocolate, anti-love, anti-Cupid. In fact, we're just anti-babies in general, right? For that one day, you're just like, I can't, I can't look at anybody. It's, you kind of feel like Cam Newton at his Super Bowl press conference. You're just grumpy. Is it too soon? Is that too soon for... So sorry, Cam. So sorry. And then there's those of us that want to be in love, right? Those, those of us that we're out there and we desperately want to be in love. And that question of, well, why am I not in a relationship? Why have I not found the perfect man or the, the perfect woman? And, and right? I, I did a Google search this week because I wanted to know, like, what percentage of songs out there are actually love songs? Like, have to deal with love. And I couldn't find an actual answer, but there were different people that had different opinions on it. Some said, like, 75% of all music are, are love songs. Some said 80. Some went as high as 90. As long as you don't listen to a lot of death metal, right, there's a good chance that most of the music you listen to, there's, that love is just a, a big part of it, right? That a lot of our music, a lot of our culture points to love. Here's three truths, though, that we know about love, right? Three things that are very, very true. One is love is a desperate need for all of us, right? Love is a desperate need. It's essential. It's as essential to us as eating and, and breathing. And, and I recognize, you might say, Donnie, there's a, a lot of needs within the human heart, but one of the very basic needs is love, right? It's to know love. It's to feel love. We have that desperate need. The second truth is this, is that we were created for love. Right? We were all created for love. And no matter what you feel about Valentine's Day, you know that love is important. You know you were created to not only need love from others, but to give love as well. Right? We were created for that. And here's the third truth. Love is 
confusing, right? It's very confusing. And if you were to listen and, and, and kind of list out 10 love songs, each one of those songs would have a different message, would use different words, would, would point to a different object of what it is that that artist loves, right? Our definitions of love are all over the place. We misunderstand it. We love all kinds of things, right? I, I love burritos, I love to surf. I'm not good at it, but I love to surf. I love Jeeps. I love my wife, Laura, and my son, Ty, and I love my job. It's always good to throw that one in there just in case because I don't know who's listening, um, right? But I don't love them all in that order, right? I don't love them all in that order, and I don't love them all to same degrees, right? I love different things. To, if I don't love my wife more than I love burritos, I'm in big trouble, right? So we, we get that. We love things Sometimes we love the wrong things. Sometimes we love the right things, but we love them in the wrong ways. See, the problem is, is our love is conditional, right? Our love is selfish. Our love has limits and it has boundaries to it. Sometimes there's people in our lives that are easy to love, right? It's easy to love people that are easy to love, but sometimes there's people in our lives that aren't really so easy to love. Not you guys. You guys are really easy to love, right? But we all know those people in our lives. And so we all want love, we all need love, we were created for it, and so we look for love in all kinds of different ways. The problem is, is that we look for love in a lot of the wrong ways at times. Sometimes we, we, we're so desperate to feel love that we, we try to get it through performance. If I get into the right school, if I get the promotion, if I climb the corporate ladder, if I run the PTA, whatever it might be, if I perform and achieve, people will love me. Sometimes we look for love in people, don't we? And so we use people to get love or acceptance. If I'm accepted in the right group, right, if I'm seen hanging around the right people, if I have the right boyfriend or the right girlfriend, my relationship with that person, that will determine whether I'm loved or not. Sometimes we look for love in, in pity. We put ourselves down so that other people will lift us back up and say nice things about us, right? Do you have that person in your life? Do you know that person that is always putting themselves down, always fishing for that compliment? If you don't have that person in your life, it, it might be you. So you might want to throw your hand up on, on that one, right? We all do this. A few weeks ago, it was my birthday, and I had been asking uh, Laura for pictures for my office. I wanted pictures of my family to, to kind of hang in my office. And, uh, and so she got me a couple. There was one of me and Ty, and then she got me one that was, that was her and I. And, and when I saw that picture, when I unwrapped it and I looked at it, I did what every single one of us do when we look at a picture. You look at yourself, right? You, you try to check out yourself before you look at anybody else. And, and so I'm looking at myself, and I'm looking at myself in this picture, and, and the one that she chose, and, and it, was like a, it was a nice dinner. We were all dressed up, and I was kind of like, Eh, right? It was just this like crazy picture. And so I'm looking at it going, whoa, what is that? And then I look at her and she's stunning, right? She is perfect. She is beautiful. I mean, it's incredible. And I look back at me and I'm like, what happened, right? And, and I said that to her. I'm like, couldn't you have found a better picture to choose? I was fishing a little bit because I wanted to see what she was going to say. And she's like, oh, I think you look great. I'm like, no, you got one chin. I have four in this picture. Like, this, is, this is terrible. Sometimes we use physical affection. Right? The pursuit of sex. We'll allow a guy to do what he wants because we're afraid that he'll leave if we don't. Sometimes we feel like, man, my needs aren't being met at home. So it's okay for me to go and try and, and fill them somewhere else. Sometimes we, we find love in our pleasures. Right? We enjoy going to that party. We enjoy that high. We enjoy that experience, that rush, the risk that we take. We love what it makes us feel like. Sometimes we love our possessions. We look for love in our possessions. 
If I have the right home, if I drive the right car, if I look a certain way, right, then people will love me. People will respect me for that. Sometimes we even try to find love in our problems. And I know that sounds weird, but sometimes we get in trouble because some of us have figured out that negative attention often comes faster than positive attention. And so we'll mess up in our lives because we know when we mess up, what happens? People come running, don't they? People come running and they tend to love us in those moments. You see, we try to find love in all kinds of, of temporary ways. The problem is, is it never lasts. It's never satisfying because it's, it's a conditional love. And there's limits to our human love. There's limits to how much we will accept. And eventually what happens is it, it dries up. So you see, for me, performance is, is my area of weakness. I'm in a constant battle to perform, to do something so that people will respond, so that people will like me. I'm a classic people pleaser. Sometimes I, I can get so desperate for love that, that I'll just do whatever it takes to get people to like me. I'll be walking through Best Buy and I'll be over in the appliance section and that guy will pop out in his blue shirt and khakis and be like, hey, did you see this fridge? And I'm a people pleaser, right? So I buy it. I've got like six fridges in my garage. I don't need any of them, right? But I just want to make people happy. What if today we could walk out of here with a clear perspective on what love is, right? And not even just what love is, but what love does, right? What, what love does in our lives and what it should look like and how we should live it out. We're going to take a look at a passage today. If you have your Bible, I'd love to, you to turn with me to uh, 1 John chapter 4. It's at the back of the Bible. Um, so if you turn to the back and then start heading to the left a little bit, you won't, uh, you won't miss it. It's, it's a small few books there, but 1 John chapter 4 is what we're going to look at. But while you're turning there, and if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. You can follow along on the big screen um, behind us. Let me just set up this series a little bit. And this series is called Level Up, and we're going to talk for the next um, six weeks, we're going to talk about developing our character. Because like in, in video games, we, you heard it in the video game, that life and, and video games are, are, are kind of alike, right? There's, there's some things that we share. We face obstacles. We, we face failures. Sometimes we get second chances. You could even look at it and, and look at the Holy Spirit and say, the, the Holy Spirit's almost like the ultimate cheat code, right? He allows us to get to levels and to do things that we couldn't do on our own. And so Paul wrote this letter a couple thousand years ago, and he wrote it to a group of churches who he started these churches, and he started simply by telling them of who Jesus was and, and how Jesus loved them. And it was all based on their faith in, in Jesus Christ. And the churches started incredibly. But then some guys came in, and they began to add some other stuff to it, right? They began to convince them that, that faith in Jesus alone wasn't enough. And so they started giving them some rules and some do's and don'ts and some things that they had to follow along. They started to teach them that you need to earn your relationship with God. And so Paul wrote this letter to remind them that it's really just about the simplicity of the gospel. It's faith in Jesus Christ. That God gives us his spirit. When we have faith in Jesus, God gives us his spirit to live in us, to encourage us, and to guide us to make us more like Jesus, because that's what God ultimately wants for us. And so the verses that we're going to kind of base this whole series off are, are in Galatians chapter 5. I know I didn't ask you to turn there. You can just read them on the screen. But verses 22 and 23 say this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit or character traits in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. You see, a life that grows in loving God becomes like God. 
And so these nine character traits are really character traits that, that make up God, right? They are who God is. And so God wants us as followers of him to begin to develop and, and grow these things in our lives. And here's the cool part. We don't have to do it on our own, right? These aren't things that we have to naturally achieve. God produces them in us if we have a relationship with Jesus through his spirit. But what he expects us to do is to develop them and to use them, not only to fulfill the purpose that God has created and called each of us to, but also to impact the lives of the people around us. And so today we're going to start with the first one, and it's probably the most important in this list of nine things. In fact, some scholars think that you could put a, a colon at the end of, of love because the rest, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of those things come out of love because love is so foundational and so, so important. And I'll be totally honest with you, as I've been writing this message and, and kind of preparing it, it felt a little fluffy to me, right, because you're just talking about love. But this is so foundational to who God made us to be and this understanding. If we don't get love, the rest of it falls apart outside of this. See, this summer, all have been married for, uh, for 20 years. Our 20-year anniversary is this summer, and if you've spent any time with me or know anything about me, you know that that is a miracle um, that Laura would hang around me for that long. But 20 years of marriage means that I've learned a little something about this whole love thing. And so today I'm going to tell you how to make love a part of your life. <laughs> Come on, people, you're better than that, right? We don't need to go there. All right, here we go. Um, and so John, here we go, 1 John chapter 4. Um, John, there's so many verses that we could have chosen, right? There's so many things that, that talk about love um, in the Bible. But I, I chose this one because I love, I love John, and I love John's relationship with Jesus. In fact, John's nickname is the one whom Jesus loved. John, it says in the Bible, he was the first to follow Jesus. It said that he went with Jesus to Jesus' trial. He was with Jesus um, when Jesus was hanging on the cross. In fact, from the cross, Jesus looked down at John and said, John, I want you to take care of my mother. John outran Peter to the empty tomb when they heard that Jesus had rose again from the dead. So pretty much John is an expert, right, on his relationship with Jesus and, and on love and understanding this concept of God's love. And so we're going to read that today. John, 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7, says this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. See, here's the first thing. When, when we read this, right, in this whole concept of love, the first thing is that, that we need to understand love, right? We need to understand love. And John is about to show us that our love for each other demonstrates, demonstrates God's love from, or the love from God to us and also our love back to God. See, what it says in verse 8 is that God is love. He is the source of love. Therefore, love comes from God. Now, John makes a strong statement in this passage. And he says that anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. John isn't saying that you can love God in the same way that you love a, a taco, right? He's not saying it's that same kind of love. John also isn't saying that anyone who loves, if you love anything, right, that that automatically makes you a child of God. That's not what John's saying either. The love that John is talking about in this passage isn't a human-based love, right? The way that we love our car or the way that we love to shop, it's not about that. It's a God-given love. It's a love that comes from God and can only be realized and understood through a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
You see, we have to understand the definition of the word love. Mike talked about this a few weeks ago. Sometimes we have to go and, and, and unpack the original language, not because we want to sound smart, but, but because there's so many layers and stuff to it. You see, in our English language, we only have one word for the word love. But in Greek, there's actually four different words that describe four different kinds of love. There's eros, which is a, a sexual passion, right? It's the love that is shared between a husband and wife in a committed married relationship. There's storage, which is a, a family, a family devotion, right? The community that you share within family, that love that you have, that no matter how frustrating family can be, there still is that, that love that's there. There's philos, which is a love that describes friendship, right? It's the loyalty that's found in, in, in friends that you choose, that, that have your back, that do life together. And then finally, there's agape. And agape is, is this loving kindness. It's God's love. It's a love that's willing to lay down its life for someone else. See, the fourth love is the love that John uses exclusively in the book of 1 John to characterize God's love for us. See, here's the key to understanding this kind of love. You have to know God personally. Right? It's a relationship with God that's only found through faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19 says this. Then, let, or sorry, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Let me stop there just for a second. Right? That when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, it says that he will make his home in our hearts. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You see, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, God moves in. And I love that he chose the word home, right? There's something so permanent about that. There's, there's something that says, I'm, I'm always there. I will never leave you. I'm setting up home inside of you, rooted in God's love, right? When we are rooted in God's love, it says that it will keep us strong. That's where we find our strength. And then we'll be made complete to the fullness of life and the power that comes from that. I love the four truths that Paul shares in this passage, right, about God's love, that it's long enough to last forever. Mike just finished a series, right, for the past four weeks, and if you missed it, you should go back and check it out. But it's a series that talks about heaven and hell and, and, and how much God loves us and what time is going to be like at the, at the end of our lives and, and beyond that, what, what is going to happen, right? Questions that all of us wrestle with and, and have. But I love what, what Paul says here is that God's love is long enough to last forever. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't have to worry about, is it secure? Is it safe? Well, yes, it'll last forever. God's love, his promise, what he offers to us is perfect and pure and eternal. It's wide enough to include everybody. You may sit here and go, hold on, Donnie. <laughs> right? uh, if you knew what I've done, right? if you knew my past, if you knew the, the garbage that I have in my life, if you knew what I even just did last night, there's no way that God would love me. Right? In the context of that, there's just no way. That's not what this says. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've drifted from God. There's nothing that you can do that can separate you from God's love. That he loves you. The, the flip side is true, though, as well, is that there's nothing you can do to earn God's love. Right? It comes from God because God is love. It's deep enough to feel the depth of your pain 
And some of us sitting in here today, we've got deep pain, don't we? There's hurts that are deep, whether it's consequences of choices we've made or things that have just happened in our lives. Maybe it's, it's stuff that's happening in the lives of people around us that we desperately love and we feel so helpless because there's nothing that we can do to change the circumstance or the situation. And we know what it feels like to have this deep pain, but it says that, that, that God's love is deep enough to feel the depth of your pain. And it's also high enough that you can't go over it with anything else. You see, all the things that we try to fill that love void in our lives with, whether it's people or performance or pity or, or whatever it might be, none of those things last because they're not as great as God's love. There's nothing that's as high as that. This is our relationship with God. It's not a list of do's and don'ts, right? It, it, it's simply about understanding that God's love for us is better than any human love we could ever understand. His love is made complete and it's brought to full life and power in our lives. See, what we try to do is we spend our entire lives trying to find love. And the amazing truth of what's spoken here is that God loves you on your good days and God loves you on your bad days. I want you to imagine this with me. Imagine that, that you had a notebook and, and in this notebook you've written down everything that you've done wrong, right? There, there's just a, a list of things that, that you start to write. For, for many of you, you'd probably only need a couple of pages, right? Because I know you're really, you're just like Jesus Jr. out there. I totally get that. I, I need like several notebooks, right, for my life. I have a whole library of stuff. But imagine you've got this notebook, right, that's got stuff written down in it, all the things that you've done wrong in your life, and you're holding this notebook, and God comes along, right, and he grabs you by the hand. And as he grabs you by the hand, he kind of forces the notebook out and it falls to the ground. And then God just kind of kicks it away. As if to say, it's not important. It doesn't matter anymore. And you go back a little while later and you see your notebook just kind of sitting there on the floor. And you go and you pick it up and you open up that notebook. And when you open it up, all you see are blank pages. And you turn to God and you say, God, I am so sorry. And he looks at you and he says, love you. Accept my forgiveness. Believe in me and receive the forgiveness that I offer to you. John 1.12 says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. It's incredible, right? God doesn't say clean up your life first. If you can fix stuff, right, if you can, if you can clean up the messes that are going on, then you and I can have a conversation about this. That's not how God rolls, right? Instead, he comes to you in this moment and he says, I love you just the way you are. Chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, not only do we need to understand love, but we also need to experience God's love, right? That this love relationship, it was initiated by God. There's nothing that we could do to earn it. We could never deserve it, right? We could never earn God's love. Because of our sin, it created a barrier between us and a perfect God. But it says in this verse that God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Right? This is the gospel. This is the greatest news ever. That God created us to be in a relationship with him. That was his plan from the very beginning. But because of our sin, because of our brokenness, our selfishness, our greed, our pride, our, our lusts, all of those things, right? We created this separation, this barrier. 
Because a perfect holy God cannot be around sin. We needed God's help. The incredible part is that's why he sent his perfect son to become just like us. And through his death, he took our sin. And through his resurrection, he won us back to God. Jesus offered us this incredible gift, forgiveness of our sins, forgiveness of all sin, right? All of your past sin, forgiven. All of your present sin, whatever you're holding on to today, forgiven. All of your future sin, stuff you haven't even done yet that you can't even conceive of, forgiven. He gives us freedom from our sin. We don't have to be prisoners to it any longer. He sets us free from that. He, he gives us, he, he helps us to find purpose with our lives. That we live the way God created us to live in the, in the very beginning with his intentions and his plans. And then he sets us in a relationship that will last with him forever. That's the love that God offers to us. Jesus took our sin upon himself and, and, and he gave us his righteousness. By removing that sin, he removed the sin barrier between us and God and gave us a choice that through faith we could accept that incredible love. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Now, I, I hate to admit this, right? But my spiritual journey of understanding God's love and then experiencing God's love has, has been a long one. Uh, I've been following Jesus for about 25 years. I've been hearing about God's love for me off and on for over 40 years. I've studied God's love. I went to Bible college so that I could learn more about it. I went to graduate school and studied the Bible more. I, I, I learned how to use tools to help me understand some of the stuff in the original languages. I had incredible professors and teachers, right, that I learned from. I, I took what I learned and I went to different churches and, and I've taught it to other people. But it was mainly theory in my life until about 14 years ago when I really experienced God's love for me in a way that changed me forever. It was this crazy way. It was about this eight-pound way, this gift that God gave me. See, it wasn't until I became a dad that I really understood for the first time, that I really experienced for the first time the way God loves me. I, see, I didn't want children at first. It's not that I didn't want, I just, I just didn't want anything to do with them. It's not that I hated children. It's just that I had met one and that was enough, right? And, and all of my years of working with, with teenagers, right, that was, that was a significant form of birth control. And so I was totally, totally good until about 15 years ago when God started working in my heart and, and I recognized that it was maybe time for us to start a family. And 14 years ago, I witnessed a miracle that changed everything for me. See, there were three people in the room. There was myself, there was the doctor, and there was my wife, Laura, right? We were all there. I wasn't in the lobby watching Netflix. I was right in there standing next to her trying not to pass out from the pain of my fingers being broken as she was squeezing them as hard as she was, right? And we were there, the three of us in that room, and then all of a sudden there was four. Four people in that room. It, it totally freaked me out. I was so excited. I, I ran from the room to, to call my wife and tell her about it. She wasn't home, though, um, and I'm standing there, right? I'm standing there and I'm, I'm weeping like a child. And the second that Ty was born, I would have died for him. Right? I, I, there's no way to explain it, but if the doctor had come to me and said, the only way this baby can live is, is if you die, I would have done it. No questions asked. I wouldn't have hesitated for a second. In fact, I might still do it today. I, maybe. 
The doctor brought him over, and, 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 and I remember the doctor reaching him out and, and saying, do you want to hold him? And I said, no. <laughs> he looks slippery, right? Like this Vaseline-smeared weasel or something. I was like, I, I don't know. I'd never done this before, right? I'm, so when I finally took him, I'm just thinking, don't fumble him, don't fumble him, don't fumble Because I didn't know what I, what I was doing. And as I'm sitting there holding E.T., and he reached out and <laughs> grabbed me by the finger, at that same moment, man, God grabbed a hold of my heart. And he said to me, Donnie, he said, the, the way that you love Ty, every time you do, you, and you think about how much you love him, I want you to stop. And I want you to multiply that feeling, that love times infinity. And that is how much more I love you. And see, as we sit here today, whatever it is that's going on in our lives, the hurts, the pains, the frustrations, the isolation, the loneliness, whatever it is, God loves you loves me, loves us that much. He was willing to die for you, to die for me. It's an incredible love. We need to understand it, we need to experience it, and then verse 11 and 12 say this, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. See, here's the third thing. We need to practice love. Here's the motivation. It's clear that God loved us so much that our response, the result of that in our lives is this, is that we surely ought to love each other. The whole goal for us as a follower of Jesus is to be like him. It's out of appreciation for God's incredible love for us that he looked down on us when we were broken and he picked us up and dusted us off and adopted us as his child. It's out of that that we choose to love others. You see, God never asks us to do something that he hasn't already done for us. And he's asking us to love people the way that he has loved us, sacrificially, unselfishly, completely. Here's the implication, right? When I, when I read this, this passage, here's, here's the thing that stands out to me, that we're called to give love away like we are made of it. We're called to give love away like we are made of it. Because if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are made of it. He sets up home in our lives. The God who is love fills us with that love. And he wants us to not just keep it to ourselves, but to allow it to flow out of our lives into the lives of others. See, we all know that love is a verb, right? It's an action. You can only go so long in a relationship telling someone that you love them. You've got to show it. There's got to be actions that back up those words. What if Jesus had only said to us, I love you, but didn't follow through with the action of giving up his life for us? We'd be lost. Words aren't enough when it comes to love. It's got to display itself in action in every area of our lives. And we do this all the time, right? When we have a favorite team, we buy the jersey to, to show it off, right? If we have a favorite car, we buy it unless it's like a Ferrari or something too expensive, and then we just get like the screensaver of it or something. But we show our loyalty to those things, right? When we love people, we are called to do whatever it takes to lay down our lives the way that God laid down his life for us. And not just the ones that are easy to love, but everyone in our lives. You see, our mission as a church is to love people where they are. And I could tell you a story right now 
right? I, I can tell you one of those stories, and you've heard them all before, right? An incredibly compelling story of someone who fought against the odds, of someone who loved someone with this incredible love, someone that didn't deserve to be loved, and yet they showed that love. And I, and I could share that, and you'd be compelled to go out of here and to, to, to love others. And the tears would probably come down your cheeks, and you may even feel a little bit guilty, right? If I haven't been loving people this way, and I need to start. And that's not bad. Right? There are times in our lives where God calls us to love people in radical, radical ways like that. But I think so often what God is really calling us to is just to love people in simple ways. Every single day. The people that he brings across our path. God's just been stirring this in my heart for the past several weeks. Because it was about seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago, something like that. I, I was coming home late, late one night from the church. And, um, and, and I don't usually do this, but I, just, I was hungry. And so I pulled into Taco Bell. It was the only thing that was open. And, and I pulled in and I put my order in, in the drive-thru. And I pulled up to that, that first window, right? And I, and I gave him my card and, and, and I was paying for my stuff. And I didn't do anything radical or crazy. I just asked him how he was doing. And he was a, a high school age kid, maybe a freshman in college. I just asked how his night was going and and how much longer he had in his shift, and, and if he was having a good night, and, and how he was doing. That was it. I didn't tip him. Right? I didn't do anything special. He gave me my card and my receipt back, and I pulled up to that second window. And while I was at that second window, the other guy was there, right? The one that's putting the order together and, and about to give it to me. And while I was sitting there, all of a sudden, that guy from the first window came and stuck his head out the second window. And he said, I just want to say thank you. Thanks for asking how I was doing. Thanks for, for showing interest. Thank you for just caring about me. It's like, I've had a terrible night. Nobody is, uh, nobody's stopped. Nobody's asked how I've been doing. Everybody's been angry and frustrated and mad, and it doesn't feel like anything that I do matters. It, it doesn't feel like I matter. My heart was just broken by that, right? I said, I'm sorry you've been treated that way. And we had a, a short little conversation, and, and I drove off, but God has just been stirring that in my heart for weeks of how many opportunities are there for us every single day just to simply love people the way that he loved us. See, here's what we need to do tomorrow. Two things. First is that we receive God's love. And maybe you're sitting here today and maybe this is the very first time that you've heard about God loving you in this way. Maybe you've heard about it, this is the 500th time that you've heard about God's love. But for whatever reason, today it's clear. Today you get it. Right? That if there's a God that loves me as I am, where I am this much, I need that. If there's a God there, there, that, that loves me, that paid the price for me, no matter what I've done, there's nothing I can do to earn it. If, if that's true, if that's out there, then I need that in my life. And I want to tell you, if that's you today, this is the greatest decision you will ever make in your life. It's really simple. There's no magical prayer or, or special thing that you have to do. It's, it's just simply in the quiet of your heart, choosing in faith to say, to say God, I need you. Jesus, I, I, I put my trust in you. I am offering you my broken life in exchange for the hope that's found in a relationship with you. And it's the beginning of the greatest relationship you will ever have in your life. See, we need to receive God's love. But for many of us even sitting in this room, we would say, oh, Donnie, I'm a follower of Jesus. I have been for a long, long time. 
we need to receive God's love too on a daily basis. And that's why it's so important that we spend time in God's word, we spend time in prayer, that we do life connected with other people, that we serve, we use the gifts that we have, that we grow in our relationship with God, that we develop these characteristics that make us like Christ. Because the more that we do these things, the more God can fill us up with his love. We have to receive it every day. And this isn't so that we can earn our salvation on a daily basis. That's done. That's taken care of. But if we are empty in terms of God's love in our lives, then what we try to do on a daily basis is love people out of our love, our conditional, broken, selfish, incomplete love, and it doesn't work and it doesn't last. And so we need to be filled with God's love every single day. And then here's the second thing that we need to do. Second thing is that we love others the way that God loves us. Pick someone. Pick someone today. Who can you love the way God has loved you? Could be a neighbor, right? It may be a great relationship with a neighbor and you just need to love them in a new way or a different way. Maybe it's a, a difficult relationship. Maybe it's a coworker or, or someone that you, you're in class with that you see on a regular basis, right? Pick a family member. Maybe it's someone, that, again, easy to love and you just continue that relationship. Maybe it's someone that is incredibly difficult to love, but you're gonna love them the way God loved you. Maybe it's a waiter or a waitress or a barista or the person that checks you out at the grocery store. Whatever it is, in the drive-thru at Taco Bell. See, here's the easy part. Every single one of, one of us needs to be loved and every single one of us wants to be loved. So you can't choose wrong. Because no matter who you choose to love, they're going to want it and they're going to need it. But imagine what this would look like if we began to live this out. Imagine if we became people that, that give love away as if we're made of it. Imagine if several thousand of us from all of our different campuses went out and began to love people this way. Do you think it would matter? Do you think it would make an impact? Do you think we could reach the triangle? Maybe change the world? I love Mike's vision for hope. It's always been, or part of his vision for hope, is that hope would be a church that if we were to shut down tomorrow, the people in our neighborhoods, people in our communities, they would notice Right, that we love people in such a radical way that if we were to close the doors and shut down, it would impact and hurt our neighbors and our community because they seek love from us. That's the kind of church that we're called to be. That's the kind of church we can be. That's the individual life that God has called us each to live. Let's be that church. John 13, 35, I close with this, says this, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you are my followers, if you love one another. It's a game changer. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for your incredible love for us. None of us in this room deserve it. Father, none of us can earn it. And yet none of us can escape from it either. We can choose to ignore it. We can choose to turn our back on you. But God, it doesn't stop you from loving us. And so God, will you help each one of us today to understand this incredible love? Father, to understand it in a new way, in a deeper way, to allow our roots to go down into your incredible love for us. You are love. You loved us first. But God, will you also help us to experience your love today? Father, in whatever it is that we need from you, wherever our hurts are or our pains or our lonelinesses, right, if we've just gotten complacent in our understanding and love for, with you and, and for you and from you, God, will you help us to experience new in an you in an incredible way today? 
that changes our understanding of you. And then, Father, will you help us to live in a way that puts this into practice, that loves people the way that you have loved us in big ways, in small ways, simply just loving people where they are. Help us to be that church. Help us to be your sons and daughters that love others and help us to be known by our love for each other and our love for you. Jesus, we thank you and we love you. And it's in your name we pray, amen.